Amen. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, and uh, as difficult as this situation is, uh, it is a blessing to still be able to bring you the word um, today. Uh, our scripture reading this morning comes from John, this afternoon, comes from John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. So let's read uh, the word of God. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. It's the word of God. Let me say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time to be in your word and to reflect on what it means when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, the promise that is held there, and what that means for us as we think about our Savior in the gospel. Be with us as we hear from your word in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the big targets of criticism during the coronavirus outbreak are the people who continue to go out while the virus spreads. Just this past week, there was video of a college student on spring break who was saying to the camera, if I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. And this obviously angers a lot of us. It angers so many in the media because of just the flippant attitude and how divorced someone is from reality to say such a thing, that partying is more important than spreading this very dangerous disease. To put others in danger by ignoring facts laid out before them is, is just ignorance. And to, to uh, ignore others' pleas to do what's best for the common good and for the people around them. When we think about la last week's discussion, even this week's passage, the followers of Jesus often had a very similar type of frustration with him. You know, there were many moments where Jesus acts and does and did things in a very questionable way or that, that raised eyebrows. And it not only just angered those that opposed him, but it often bewildered those that were closest to him. Yet the reality is, only Jesus ever knew what was really happening at all times. Because he is God. Jesus knows the beginning and the end, and he perfectly loved his father, and he loved his neighbor the way we ought to. He also knows that death doesn't have to be the end, and that he offers life to all those who believe. 
And we're going to look a little closer at what that means this afternoon in two ways. First, thinking about the reality of death, and then secondly, the reality of life. So the reality of death. Last week, Jeff mentioned in the passage how Jesus had suggested to the disciples after he had heard the news that Lazarus had died, that they would wait and then they would go back to Judea to see Mary and Martha after the death of Lazarus. And remember that Thomas in verse 16 said, well, let us also go that we may die with Jesus. It was this resignation that the disciples had Wondering to themselves, we had just escaped death there. Why would you go back? You're crazy, Jesus. Lazarus is dead, and he's not coming back. Why would you risk your own life to see a dead body? And in our passage today, when they do arrive, Lazarus had already been buried. He'd been in a tomb for four days already. And so when they arrive, Martha comes to Jesus and exclaims to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard statement to make sense of. You know, some read this and see in Martha's voice a, blame, a blaming of Jesus, for a, a direct blaming of Jesus for the death of Lazarus. Others may be a little more empathetic and see it as Martha just in the throes of sorrow, saying what she just believes deep in her heart. However you interpret it, one thing is for sure, that Martha seems to wonder, how in touch is Jesus with the reality of death in this moment, right? How in touch are you, Jesus? You, you waited so long. I thought you cared about us. I thought you loved our family. I thought you loved Lazarus. Jesus, don't you understand how illness and death work? It doesn't operate on your timeline. Do you understand how this all happens? And to confuse things a little more, and perhaps to uh, add a, a little kind of question to the whole situation, his response, Jesus' response to Martha in this moment, is also uh, brings up a question. He says to her right after, uh, she says, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. He says to her in verse 23, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. It's the first thing he says to a, a, a sorrowful mourning woman who had longed for him to be there at the time that they would be all together. Now, I know a lot of us here have suffered and have mourned the death of someone we've loved. Or we've gone through very, very difficult circumstances. And you can understand how words like this, your brother will rise again, right? Um, he's in a better place. She lived a good life. When you hear those in the midst of your sorrow and your grief, how both helpful and unhelpful those words can be, right? You know, it's helpful in the sense that in our mourning and suffering, we should never be divorced from truth. We should never be divorced from what we know uh, is right. You know, because what good is it to throw out all your deeply held, deep-rooted beliefs when hard times come. That means you never really believe anything. You're not rooted in anything. And, so the, tr and the reality that the truth never changes based on our emotional state. So it's good to be reminded of the fact that, yes, there is a resurrection to come. Yes, uh, 
The, the one who was dearly departed is in a better place. Yes, they did live a really full life. And here in this case, Martha hears Jesus say, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, yes, I believe that he will. I know there's a final resurrection on a last judgment day. This wasn't anything shocking for her to hear. Uh, all good observant Jews knew this to be true. But hearing the truth in the midst of your grief, in the midst of difficulty, doesn't make it easy, right? It doesn't ease pain. And when you hear statements like, he's in a better place, or she lived a really full life, these might actually be true statements, but they ring so empty when your eyes are stained with, they sting from tears and your heart is breaking. And it's why often the best counsel and the best consolation for those who mourn is, is really just silence and sitting with them and being willing to listen to them. And so in a way, some could see Jesus' words here in verse 23 on, the base, on a base level, very distant. That Jesus is being very cold in some sense. Kind of throwing out a platitude that somehow that's going to make Martha feel better. Except the thing is, is Jesus here means something entirely different than how Martha interpreted it. You know, when Jesus says, your brother will rise again, he wasn't talking about a final judgment day. He was talking about right now. That while Jesus was still here, while he was by her side, at Lazarus's tomb, your brother will rise again. John chapter 5, 24, 26, six chapters earlier, uh, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And what Jesus is saying here, earlier in the book of John, is he's saying, look, I am here, I am the Son of God, I am one person of three in the Trinity, and I am here to deliver the message that those who are dead will be brought to life, and those who have life will have eternal life. As far as those who come to me, as the Father has sent me to them. What that means is Jesus, he fully understands the reality of life and death and everything in between. Because Jesus is one with the Father. He's a person, one, one of the people in the Trinity. He was there at creation. And, and, and witnessed this, the potential of the bountiful, beautiful, eternal paradise that God created. He was also there when Adam and Eve fell, when death entered the world, and it corrupted Eden's perfection. Jesus, he witnessed the animals being slaughtered as sacrifice time and time again for the sins of the nation. He saw their blood being shed. He smelled the burning flesh as the aroma wafted up to heaven, all to appease the sins of the people. And nobody knew it in that moment, 
not Lazarus, not Martha, not Mary, not any of the bystanders, not even the disciples, but Jesus in that moment was with them now to be the final sacrifice, to be crucified, to satisfy God. And so while everyone is questioning whether Jesus really understood the reality of death, Jesus here is saying, I know death. I understand death. I am here for death, to take death away and give you life, for I am life itself. Jesus understands this more than anyone, so he could give us the reality of eternal resurrection life. Jesus understood the reality of death so that he could be our reality of life. And this is why Jesus corrects her here. Right? She says, yes, I understand. I believe there's a final resurrection that he will rise again. And Jesus corrects her and he says, no, look, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm here to raise Lazarus right now. Now, again, there's a, there's a phrasing issue here, right? Because think about it. Jesus could have just said, he, he didn't have to say I'm the resurrection. He could have said, Martha, don't worry about it. I'm the one who raises the dead. I can do a lot of cool stuff. You've seen me do it. So let me show you that I can raise the dead. And Martha, I think, would have understood that better. She would have uh, embraced that a little more or kind of knew where Jesus was going with that. But remember last week where Jeff preached and he shared that Jesus was saying to the disciples that Lazarus had to die so that they would believe. And the purpose of that was what? Because Jesus wasn't here to prove that he could do miracles. He wasn't here as a magician or a parlor act for the people. But Jesus came to prove that he himself is the miracle they needed. That he was God in flesh walking with them. Life itself dwelling among them. And he was here to tell not just the dead, but the living, that I am eternal life for all. In verse 25, look, he says in verse 25, it's not just the dead who believe who will always live. But right after that, in verse 26, he refers to the living and he says, the living who believe will never truly die. He addresses both Lazarus as he continues to lie cold dead in the tomb, but also addresses the people listening, who are watching. Follow Jesus now, even as you live and breathe, and you will never die, because Jesus, because I am life itself. Jesus is saying to Martha, Martha, look, eternal life doesn't just apply to Lazarus, it applies to you too right now. You don't have to die and wait for a judgment day for a resurrection life. Believe in me and have resurrection life now. Death will be but a blip. It will be a momentary affliction for all of us. It will be real. It will be painful. And it will lead to mourning and sorrow. But it will not be the way it will be forever. Because I am the resurrection, and the life. You know, critics of Christianity often say that 
religion and Christianity especially is a form of escapism. That especially right now, what we need is more science, more technology, more ability. And yes, we do, right? Yes, we need our do the finest doctors doing their job, the finest medical workers and the finest researchers to find a cure. But Christianity isn't escapism because we can't avoid the realities that people are dealing with either. We know it's not escapism. You know why? Because Christians are also struggling with death right now. Christians are also mourning and suffering. We still have to shelter in place. We still have to wash our hands. And we still have to practice social distancing. If we get sick, we still need doctors, medicine, and ventilators. So we're not here saying eternal life means we can just run out there, we can congregate, and we can do this Forget about all the other things. We've got life insurance. But it's real, and it addresses the reality that this, what if this is it? What if this is life for what it will be? How do we live in light of that? If our reality suddenly will change from this point on, if this is the way we must worship from this point on. What does it mean to live before the living God in light of the new world, perhaps, that we are walking into? The reason why coronavirus is so terrifying is because it's, it's more like death than any terrorist can ever be, than every war could ever be. Because at least... When 9-11 happened, or World War happened, there was a defined op opposition. There were names and places that it came from that we knew where to go to look for it. But coronavirus is faceless in that we can't see it. And at the same time, it's every single face because anybody could have it. Coronavirus infects people regardless of who they are, regardless of what they have, regardless of what they've done. You don't escape this type of thing. You have to live in light of the world it, di it dictates for us. But thankfully, the promise that Jesus gives us today is that he is our resurrection and our life by faith. And that's something no virus can take away. That's something death itself cannot take away. And so grace, God's grace is even greater than any virus because it also doesn't care what you look like. God's grace doesn't care what you have or what you've accomplished. But, it's, but this is the difference. Grace has a face. You can, grace, God's grace has a name. God's grace was seen and known and embraced and trusted. And he kissed his brothers and sisters and hugged his friends. And he stretched out his arms on the cross to die. So that we might have eternal life. Jesus came in the flesh and suffered the reality of death on the cross so we might know the reality of eternal life now. Believe in him today. 
Let him be the source, the foundation of resurrection life for you. Take hold of the reward before the race is even finished. Be judged innocent by God before any final judgment is announced to you. Because in Christ, eternal life has been signed, sealed, and delivered. And in Jesus, you can sing with the Apostle Paul, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? For Christ is my life. He is my resurrection. Thomas Watson said, that the body shall rise again. We are not so sure to rise out of our beds as we are to rise out of our graves. You can never be 100% sure that when you sleep tonight, you're going to wake up tomorrow. But in Jesus Christ, you can be 100% sure that when you die, you will rise to glorious eternal life in Him. That is what Jesus offers you today when he says I am the resurrection and the life put your trust in him alone today let's pray Heavenly Father God we uh, look to your son and celebrate the great news and the great glory that Christ is the resurrection and the life that he dealt with the reality of not just our death physical death but death to you, Lord, to be abandoned, to have you turn your face away from him for the sake of our sins, so that we might experience the fullness of eternal life and joy that God, he rightly has earned for us. Lord, may, may that reality be one we choose to live in today, even more real than any sort of a reality that we're forced to live in in light of this, the virus that's going around, in light of being locked down into our houses, that God, uh, that we would live in the joy of knowing that we have res the resurrection and the life in Christ alone. That God, that would assure us, that would comfort us. Lord, we know that there, we are not out of this yet, and there will be those who will suffer in this time. We know that there will be those who will mourn in this time. Father, may all of us rest in the truth that Christ is our resurrection and our life. And that we might have that hope in our hearts no matter what season we find ourselves in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.